Relationships rule. That's my motto. I'm Janice Porter, and I love to share the power of relationship marketing to help grow and impact business. I've grown my business by building and nurturing relationships, and I'd like to help you do the same. Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast, where connection means everything. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. With me this week is Lex Roman, and Lex is a growth marketer for creative entrepreneurs. She actually comes to us from um, Atlanta, Georgia, which we I can see behind her on the wall. So it's something she's pretty proud of, I think, at this point. Um, she's on a mission to help small business get seen and get sales without being beholden to big tech. And uh, I'd like to start there, but first I'm going to welcome her to the show. So welcome, Lex, and uh, lovely to have you here. It's great to be here, Janice. Uh, so tell fill, fill my audience in a little bit more because I just gave them the tip of the iceberg. So um, who are you and what's your, what's your passion with what you do? Yeah, so I started my career in growth as what's called a growth designer. And I used to work with tech companies to help them find customers, convert them into paying customers and keep them for years on end in subscriptions, reduce churn, things like that. And a lot of what I did in Silicon Valley was help people connect with their customers and actually understand who these people were and what was getting in the way of revenue. And a lot of times, you know, companies think, oh, we just need to like hammer people with sales and marketing stuff and they will come to us with their wallets open. And so much of, of growing a business is really about people and relationships, and that's true at any size business. And after doing that for about a decade, I turned my attention to small business owners. And I've seen, you know, in my time in Silicon Valley, an increasing, you know, monopolization of companies and increasing consolidation of companies, more mm -hmm. companies getting acquired. And what that means for small business owners is that it can be harder and harder to play in the same arenas as Amazon, Google, Facebook, Netflix. And so we need to lean into things that are unique advantages of small business owners. And so what I do now is help small business owners really turn away from big tech and think about things that are going to be more effective for them that play to their strengths where they can get sales in a sustainable way. So... When you were work, first of all, when you were working with the 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 big companies, were they listening to that piece around once you get the clients, you know, nurtured them, keep them coming back, or was that frustrating? It's interesting because I think all companies struggle with this. I have small business owners. I just got off a call actually with my members. I have a membership program now, and. One of them said, I really didn't want to talk to my customers last, last month, but I'm so glad I did. I think it's something that we struggle with as business owners, like to talk to other people is scary. And so in that way, I definitely worked with a lot of founders who were like hesitant to do that, but generally supportive of it. Like they wanted someone doing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why they liked what I did. They didn't necessarily want to do it themselves. I did work with a couple founders that were very aware of their customer base, like Andrew Blackman, who is the co-founder of the Black Tux, one of the companies I worked for in LA, very customer centric. The Black Tux had brick and mortar locations in addition to being an online business, spent a lot of time in those brick and mortar locations, spent a lot of time talking with customers. And he actually recently wrote about one of his 
recent campaigns where he gave customers his phone number. And the Black Tux actually is an interesting like growth case study because the Black Tux does wedding and formal wear. And so if one person's getting married, it's likely that other people they know might also get married. And that's a great growth mechanism for that business. So they understood that early on. And that was a big thing that we focus on. You know, once we get one customer, we've acquired an entire crew of friends and family who will also become customers, you know? So, you know, you're talking my language when I hear all of this about the relational side of things, but you just said something also that, you know, we all need to do it, but a lot of us are afraid to do it. That I don't understand, but it's true. But why do you think, why do you think people are so afraid to to do it? It can feel unknown and risky to talk to another person. And I think, you know, we, we have this sense that like, if we do something with a computer, that it's going to be somewhat predictable for us. Like we put something up on Instagram or we blast out an email, like we're going to, it's going to be okay. Right. It's going to be predictable. And if we get on the phone with someone, we're going to have this, you know, uh, scary, unpredictable, like who knows what's going to happen. Right. And I think it's just the nature of people. It's, they're not predictable. Well, and but, I, okay. I have to argue a little bit to that point and push. I think it's a generational thing in some cases. I don't think it is. I'll tell you, I worked with three wall street guys that were pushing 70 and they didn't want to talk to customers either. Well, interesting. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it's not completely like, I don't want to blanket that, you know, that it's um, uh, generational in that sense. However, my first um, uh, tendency is to pick up the phone. Now I know most people aren't going to answer the phone, but that is my first tendency. It isn't to send that email and just let it sit there because it drives me crazy that it doesn't get answered. Right. Sure. I can get a more instant response if I'm if they answer the phone. But when you're calling people, you're probably calling people that, you know, already. Right. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The cold call is tough, though. I mean, that you got you must have a hard stomach for that, Janice. Like, it's not easy to cold call people. Um, and and you don't know, you know, people could hang up on you. People could yell at you. Like, there's yeah, all kinds true. of things that can happen. And I do a lot of uh, phone banking, so I'm well aware of all the things that can happen when you're talking to people on the phone. But I think the point is that when you actually hear directly from your ideal customer, from your ideal buyer, or from a current client, that information helps you move so much faster in your business. And so inside a larger company, like I worked with Toyota and Nissan, right, which are pretty substantial global corporations. Mm -hmm. We can run tests at scale in those companies, but I will learn so much faster by pulling up to a gas station and interviewing drivers than throwing things out there and waiting for the results to come back. Got it. And that holds true for small business owners too. You learn so much faster when you talk to your buyers, whether they've already purchased or are about to, than just putting stuff out there and hoping that it lands and not having any sense of whether or not it is and, and why not. So, so that makes me think of, um, you know, um, we, you know, that I do LinkedIn training and, uh, every, there's a lot of LinkedIn trainers out there, but you know, one of the things that I pride myself on or what my lane is, is using LinkedIn to build relationships, to grow your business. And so many people focus on the content side of things. And to me, that's throwing mud at the wall, especially with the algorithms, the way they are, they change every two minutes. And 
mind you, I'm not sure that a lot of people even think about that part of it because they just want it. They think they're doing something productive by putting content out there. And that isn't necessarily so. Can you speak to that from your? Yeah, I'm so with you. I'm so with you on that, Janice. Like, I think it, it again is a really challenging thing to nail because you have to nail your message. And if you don't know exactly what those messages are to bring people in and what the calls to action are, you know, is it reply to this post? Is it share something? Is it come to something that can be quite an experimentation ground. And so what I like to say is cut the factors down. And if you go face to face with someone, then it's really just, is this person interested in the kind of space that I'm operating in? You have much more fluidity there and Mm -hmm. you have much more wiggle room to be wrong about your exact phrasing and things like that when you're DMing someone or on the phone with them versus like blasting out a post and hoping that it you know, stops the scroll, so so to speak. Yes, yeah, exactly. So you have um, a program called your membership program is called Growth Tracker. Um, become a gro- being Growth Tracker, and that comes from your background, right? The, so you track what works and what doesn't work. And That's you right. To do that is that correct? That's right. The Growth Trackers embody a method called Test Track Tune. It's a loop that we run. Um, and what we do is we test what will bring leads and sales into your business. We track whether or not that worked, what worked and what didn't, and we fine tune and run it again. Um, and that may involve running different tests. It may involve taking a message that works somewhere and moving it to a different channel. It may involve ditching a strategy that's not working for you. And so you've, you've brought it down to the solopreneur, the small entrepreneur level, the creative entrepreneur, so that it it doesn't seem so huge because that's what the big boys do, but you've made it work for small business as well. Correct. That's right. Yeah. I've translated a lot of the growth methods that I used with larger companies and that I used with, you know, scalable software brands to small businesses, to service-based businesses. When I started shifting towards this, I wasn't sure that some of these things would land, but I increasingly find that they are in some ways even more relevant because of the things that we just spoke about, how important it is to be close to your customers. Service providers have a unique advantage in being close to their customers because we're often face-to-face with our clients every day. So we're much more in tune with what they're saying, what their needs are, and things like that. That can be challenging if you're earlier stage in your business or if you're pivoting your audience, but over time, service providers are way more in tune with their customers than a large startup or a large, you know, enterprise company is. So that I was going one direction, but now I've got to ask this, this question. So if you have clients who are close to their customers, you know, because they're smaller and, and they're service-based, um, do you find that they nurture their customers enough still, or are we still forgetting about them? The challenge for service providers is often that they're delivering the thing that they are selling. And so if you're delivering a lot of work, it can be hard to also be nurturing and selling and and making sure that you're keeping up with everyone. So that's the hard part, right? Because you are executing the brand package that you sold or you're executing the copywriting strategy or whatever it is that you sell. And then you're wondering you know, what the next project is, but you don't necessarily have time to to go back through your Rolodex to figure out who you should reconnect with. That can be really challenging and it can feel really manual for service providers. So, so one of the things we try to do is figure out what exactly those recipes or levers are that you can rerun. Some of them you're going to do year round. They're going to be 
sustainable enough that you can do them while you're executing project work. And some of them are going to feel like they need to be more seasonal and you might do those in, in down periods where you're, you need to drum up work. For example, we're about to, you know, as you and I record this, enter the holiday period. For many of us, that's a down period in the service provider space, not so much in the consumer goods space. And so people are thinking about, well, how do I drum up leads for Q1 of 2024? And so looking at those levers and those recipes that you've already tested, that have already worked for you, and having those in your back pocket, rather than starting from scratch with your marketing strategy every time you need new clients. If you've been listening to me for a while, you probably know that I love to talk about LinkedIn. So now I'm curious, are you ready to take your LinkedIn to the next level? Because if you are, I've got the perfect opportunity for you. As a valued podcast listener, I'm offering you a one month free trial to the LinkedIn Advantage program. It's your chance to join the community of like-minded professionals and immerse yourself in a space designed for learning, networking, and growing your business, and a lot of LinkedIn as well. Don't miss out. If you're ready to go from listener to participant, take advantage of this free trial by visiting podcastadvantage.janisporter.com today. That's podcastadvantage.janisporter.com. Join us and we'll see you in the group. Well, I think sometimes we forget that we we shouldn't always be looking to, as part of the nurturing process, we shouldn't always be um, looking to market the next thing to them. We need to separate that sometimes and say, hey, I value you as a customer. Thanks for being there. You know, Thanksgiving in the in the United States is coming up as as this um, as we are talking now, and that's a perfect time to say I appreciate you. Not trying to sell you something else at, at the same time, right? I ha- I can't tell you, you know. Okay, one of the tools that that you know I use is um, send out cards, and I love using that to stay connected with my clients. Well, I I remember, and this still happens that I have a. a a long time friend who's a big time realtor here. And she sends out a very religious Christmas card because she's religious and it's got a fa- you know, it's got one of those family letters in it as well. And then she puts her business card in it. To me, that just defeats the entire thing. Okay. Cause then it it takes away from the fact that I'm, you know, sharing with you that I appreciate you and, you know, Merry Christmas. I wish you all the best. Here's what my family did, although it's a Anyway, that's another story. I but, love the family letter. Oh yeah, letter. Yeah. We're all perfect, and we all did everything amazing all year long. Anyway, but that I digress. But you know what I mean. Like we have to separate those things sometimes. And um, I always say, give, 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 ask. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I think people. I see people on both ends of the spectrum. Right. I see people that are like selling way too much, yes. and then I see people who are not really asking spending much time. Yeah. They're not spending much time. And that I, most of the folks that I work with are on that side of the spectrum where they haven't been keeping up with their clients. They've been sort of waiting to be asked, mm. you know, to continue the relationship rather than looking for opportunities to continue. I really like reframing it in terms of like your network or your community, whatever word makes sense mm. for you the people that are supporting your business's growth, because it doesn't just include your clients. It also includes amplifiers, partners, and people who are not necessarily going to transact with you, but are contributing to the success of your business. And I think your mindset is fantastic and important 
to embody of like, what, in what ways can I offer value to these people? What does that look like? And that sort of gets into maintaining relationships at scale, because I've seen that done in some pretty cool ways. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, sending a card to every person or making a phone call to every single person on your list. Right. So um, you have a podcast and it's called the Low Energy Leads Show. And um, and I was listening to one of the episodes. Uh, I think it was a um, a solo episode that you did. And you were talking about 22 ways to get leads without social media. And I thought that was pretty brave in this society. And and because you're a social media person in lots of ways, because I mean, you're that you're of the um, generation that, right, that it's everywhere. And My generation invented social media. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so in that podcast episode, you talked about relational strategies and broadcast strategies. And I love that because um, I loved that you were talking about things uh, that weren't necessarily high tech. And so I wondered if you'd share some of those with my audience, because we're always looking for ways to, and, and at the same time, I'd love you to share the title, the meaning behind the title of your show, because I think it fits into exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. So the show title, the show title, yeah, we'll start with the show title. Yeah. The show title comes from two things. It, it's a nod to the fact that I have an autoimmune disorder called uh, Hashimoto's. It's a thyroid condition. And I'm tired a lot. I'm tired a lot. And I can't, you know, aspire to this really high intensity marketing plan that I see being sold everywhere else. And even, you know, running with the tech bros in Silicon Valley was also sold. Yeah. Um, even though that wasn't necessarily what's actually being practiced by a lot of the successful companies. Oh, that bring, oh, that is so true. We have to come back to that. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always, you know, a little bit of smoke and mirrors around around growth. And it, it's always been like growth has always been like, get it, get after it, hustle culture. Right. And so I really I want people to know that they can grow their business and it doesn't need to take over their life. And if they have someone that they're caring for at home, if they have a health condition, if they have a disability they can still be growing a business. And so, you know, you don't need to be beholden to anyone else's like hustle culture nonsense. So that's one thing. The other thing is that I find a lot of people put too much energy into things that are not yielding value. And I saw this inside corporations. I see it with my clients now. They'll put a lot of energy into things, believing that more energy means more payoff. And I have not found that to be true. And so instead, I really want to encourage people to put low energy into higher value things, see those results pay off and then invest more and build incrementally rather than sort of go full throttle into all these things we're being told will work for your business, right? Make all this money if you just blah, blah, blah. That's not gonna ever work. You're never gonna be able to just like rip someone else's playbook. You're always gonna have to try it on for size, see how it works in your business. You're gonna wanna do that in a low energy, high value way. Do you also mean... When you say low energy in this context, do you mean necessarily um, uh, low price point? I mean, low cost, low time yeah. investment. Yeah. Okay. So like, for example, if you're thinking I should run some Facebook ads, mm -hmm. I would not recommend you go out with like a 10K Facebook ad budget. I would recommend you start with something smaller, maybe like 100 to $500, yeah. right? Um, so you don't want to just sort of like, run headfirst into a six month long strategy that you've not tested or run headfirst into a high budget item without any evidence that, that thing is going to pay off in your business. Like 
I spoke with a business owner the other day who was sponsoring a golf tournament. And I was kind of like, you know, have you sponsored any events in the past? And it was like, no, he just went out and sponsored Ooh. this golf tournament. And I was like, wow, talking about a thing that's really hard to measure the ROI on. Like, that's just not the first test I would have run <laughs> in that space, maybe, you know? Um, so, so to like me, it's about whole first maybe and see, yeah, yeah, or sponsor another kind of event, right? Go smaller. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about what is the thing I'm trying to get out of this activity, and what is a slice that I can take at that to make sure that there's something here that it's going to be executed in the way that I believe it's going to be executed, right? A lot of times we just we go full force into these projects. We don't think about is this even going to work. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how do I de-risk that? I see people just overbuilding all the time, these complex funnels and timers and email sequences and widgets everywhere. And it's like, well, is this even the right offer for your people? Could, you know, could we test that maybe in a, a high touch way? Then we can start to build out some automation, right? Then we can start to systematize those things. So can you give me three or four low energy um uh, relational strategies that you think are uh, pretty good to start with? Yeah. So low energy is, it's extremely personal. I think that's a really important thing to take away from it. Some people will find talking with others, high energy, as we've already spoken about, especially the introverts among us. Mm -hmm. And other people will find things like content creation, high energy. So low energy is very dependent on you, your business and your skill set. But I would say that one of the first things I recommend people do, and this falls into the relational bucket, is to figure out how you're going to re-engage past clients. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think we leave on the table a lot in our business, as we just spoke about, and think about, okay, I know I can reach out to them one-on-one, or I know that I can call them, but maybe I want to think about a way to add value. What is a way that I could add continuous value, not necessarily with a new offer, but just continue to add value into their lives, continue to add value into the work that we did together, continue to invite them back into my business in whatever way makes sense for your business. And so, you know, first experiment that we often run in growth trackers is bringing people in to an email segment. You know, would you like to be on my email list would be an example of something that you could do. That's generally kind of low energy, kind of depends. Mm -hmm. Um, And trying to just re-engage those conversations. Hey, I'm thinking about this, or here's something that I read that's relevant to the work that we did together. What do you think about that? Right. Starting a conversation with those past clients that can often lead to more work, new conversations, additional projects, things like that. That's a good one. I, um, I always say to my, uh, to my clients, you know, how many, look, let me see, you've got 2000 LinkedIn connections. When was the last time you ever talked to any of them? Yeah. Oh, right. We're so busy looking for the new ones. And if we shake that tree a little bit and just reach out and say, Hey, it's been a while. I'm making an effort to reconnect. You never know the timing could be more right for, uh, some more, right. It's either right or it isn't, but it could be right now for um, something that they were going to think about doing with you before, but the timing wasn't right. So absolutely, I agree. That's a great strategy. Um, Anything else comes to mind? Um, One of the other things that I would recommend people do is track their own leads. So going back to the low energy thing is really personal. I have folks who get a lot of their work from relationships that they have. I have other folks who get a lot of their work from specific communities that they're in or from specific channels. Like I do have some growth trackers who really get a lot of work from Instagram, for example, or from LinkedIn. 
Um, I have some who get more of their work from like a specific community that they're a part of. So the lowest energy strategy is going to be replaying something that's already worked for you. And often we forget those things. So I would track those, um, create a lead tracker if you don't already have one and look back at the channels that have brought people into your business and the channels that have helped you close leads into sales and see if there's something there that could be rerun in a slightly bigger way. That's what we call evidence building. Because if you already have evidence that it has worked, then you can go a little bit bigger with that thing. Do it in another channel, right? Bring in a message to another channel, bring it to a new audience, try the same message that you tried in the successful community with a new community, for example, try and add in a new space. So that would be another low energy strategy where you're using evidence from your own business and parlaying that into the next the next yeah. great thing. Yeah, you make, make me think too about you know, the lead tracker, I do remember where usually where people have come from, but it would be smarter to have it on a sheet, you know, so I can really see the statistics around it. Cause I'm, you'd be surprised Janice. Like we think we know where these people come from, but then we look at it and it's like, we end up having recency bias around it where it's like, and it'll shift over time. And so it's really helpful to have it on there, especially, especially if you stay booked pretty continuously, because then you hit a down period, like something like a global pandemic happens and you, your whole business is turned upside down and you're like, wow, I really need to go back to the drawing board here. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to have that data. And there'll be stuff in there that you forgot about that worked one time that maybe you, you didn't need it. So you just stopped doing it but it's there for you when you do want it again. And so it's, it can be really instructive. The other thing is that we often don't break down word of mouth. Like I've started saying that, you know, I can't stand when people tell me their leads come from word of mouth because it's like me asking you, what did you have for lunch? And you saying food. It's like, yeah, word of mouth. It's a huge part of marketing, you know, the internet also not a lead source. Right. So You want to break that down. And when you break down word of mouth in your lead tracker, and you don't just say referral, but you say the name Uh and even better, you categorize it. You say the kind of referral it is. It was a client. It was an industry partner. It was from a conference. You can start to get a sense of the leading indicators that are creating that valuable network because, you know, your mechanic probably isn't sending you copywriting leads, right? So it's not just word of mouth from anyone. It's word of mouth from very specific relationships. And you want to be tracking who those people yeah, that's, are. That's really val- valuable for, for us all to think about because um, we'll su- be surprised when we, you know, when we get that list for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved also what you said about um, an opportunity, you know, when you're reaching out to people to reconnect, asking them to be on your newsletter list, for example, because I don't want you to just expect that I'm going to put you on there. Cause a lot of people do that, right. They meet you once on LinkedIn and then you're on their newsletter. Hang yeah. on. You know, I don't, in fact, um, I, I sent out a message. I think I was, I'm doing an event as I always am on link on. Um, so I put the event on LinkedIn and send out some invitations. This is for my LinkedIn advantage program that you're aware of. And I got a reply back from the invitation, which was a canned reply. Thanks for coming into my mailbox. Um, uh, I have some space on my calendar, blah, blah, blah. I don't know this person, right? So I ignored that and I sent the next message that said, don't forget to actually um, uh, register for the event. Here's the link. And I got another canned response. And I thought, wow, not just the first one, but the second one too. Yeah, so 
It's probably a little bit of AI gone wrong. Like yeah. you know, AI is all over LinkedIn now with the, yeah. with the messaging. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, cold pitching is another thing that that people are always asking me about because cold pitching can work. And depending on your industry, it works better in some than others. Like yeah. writers do a lot of cold pitching pretty successfully. Um, writers, writers, yeah, like copywriters, copywriters. you know, because like writing, the writing space has always been a very pitch heavy, right? Um, and so if you're, if you're writing articles or if you want to be doing copywriting work, cold pitching is pretty common and it is like so much a volume game. And even though people will say, I hate receiving cold pitches, how could this possibly work? Like yeah. it does work. It's a volume game because if you hit enough people, some of those people will be in buy mode. Right. And that, that can response is the same thing. They don't necessarily care that they're degrading all these other relationships because that one person is out there who will find that to be useful exactly. it's, it's it's interesting with ai especially it's been interesting to see do you uh, and i i do believe that i don't know what's your thought on going forward in terms of ai I well there's so many different ways that you can be using ai so i think it depends a bit about how you're using it i haven't i have used actually linkedin ai i use something called copilot ai which is a linkedin chatbot that uses ai what it does is it sends requests have you used this janice i haven't used that one no it sends requests to people in my second degree network to connect and then if they respond, it'll respond with a script. And then at some point, it'll tell me to take over the conversation. And it has worked for me. Um, it The problem with it for me is that I'm not actually in a volume game. So mm -hmm. I actually have a very small capacity for clients. And I'm very specific about them, more specific than like industry headcount, the kind of things that are in Sales Navigator. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't vetting enough stuff and so i was having too many conversations with people that like weren't a great fit for the business and it couldn't get more specific than that so if you you know do have a volume business and or if you have a va who can do a lot of that you know mm -hmm. vetting for you then it could be worth it like you know the trick is really that it's a volume game so if you want to pay to play the volume game in time or money like mm -hmm. it can be played <laughs> You just have to be careful with the bots as opposed to even having a human do the outreach for you because LinkedIn is is really clamping down on those automated things. I think also like for service providers, especially and for and for solopreneurs like of any kind, you just don't need to be playing in those arenas necessarily. And, and you have like ways that you can be running your business where you're not constantly having to, you know, throw logs on the fire where the engine can be burning itself. And that's the kind of business we want to work towards. And that's true. Even at scale, when you look at a company like Facebook or TikTok or Google, these are companies that leverage growth mechanisms to keep mm -hmm. people in the orbit, to bring people into the orbit, right? They leverage us as their users to bring people in. LinkedIn does the same thing right? So who can you bring into us? LinkedIn isn't out there getting every single one of our colleagues on there. We're doing that. Right. So that's an example of like, you know, you want to step off that marketing treadmill. You don't want to be, you know, building your business around something like cold pitching. It can be an okay starting place. Yeah. So I said earlier, wait, we've got to come back to this. And and this was something, and I can't remember the episode now that I interviewed this this guy who he wrote this book and I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'm going to send it, send you the, the episode because it was really good. And it was talking about 
um, we were talking about relationship building and, and uh, uh, relationships in business. And he, and he was saying that something you said, which is even the, maybe you said it in the podcast that I was listening to, but you said um, even the big companies out there use real people use relationship building skills to get their business like Google and uh, um, Amazon or whatever. They've got a sales force of real people out on the streets. And so, right. And it's not, everything is not done through social media. It's done through people meeting people. And I, you know, we forget that, but it's so true. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. So relationship marketing, meaning speaking to each other, I think is really, is really still valuable. Yeah, I think also, you know, that is from that is mentioned in that episode on 22 ways to get leads without social media, because I talk about not only sales teams, but partnerships teams, events teams, like all the different sort of what I would put in the bucket of relational marketing as big components of these large tech companies that are like seemingly running off software, right? We think that Facebook is just like building apps and like hoping it works for the best, right? But but actually they have a big partnerships team and they have a big events team and they're doing all kinds of stuff with people. They have and... Customer, what do they call them? Like, um, like exactly the account managers. Person. Yeah, account totally. Management. You can yeah. get an ad account manager to help you with your ad, even, even at a very low budget. And so that's a very relational approach that they are taking to make sure that people are successful with ads. So yep. that they keep spending money with Facebook. Big bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I worked with the black tux, we had, you know, big partnerships focus. We we focused on partnerships with wedding publications like The Knot, with, you know, retailers like Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. When I worked with the team at Gusto, they had a big partnerships team that focused on accountants and financial professionals mm-hmm. because they realized that if they built relationships with those people, that that would lead to multiple leads, mm-hmm. right? And multiple success stories, not just one-on-one. And, you know, even within software, when you look at something like, you know, LinkedIn or, uh, any social media platform, they're always trying to get you to bring friends in, bring colleagues in to our network, right? So that's what the sharing mechanism is. And that's a growth mechanism. That's not a marketing lever. That's a growth mechanism mm-hmm. because they're getting you as the user to, to drive the growth of their business. They're yeah. saying, okay, we've invested in Janice. She's here. Who else could Janice bring to the party? And small businesses could do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. This is brilliant. I, I love your... um your approach and, um, and you explain yourself really well. And I love that too. So um, I really do um, encourage my, my audience to go and see your um, website. I think it's lexroman.com, right? And uh, your low and the low energy leads show is your podcast. And you've got some pretty valuable stuff for small business owners and entrepreneurs. And that's my audience. So I love that. Um, One last um, question. One last sort of business tip for my audience that that you would like to share. Yeah. I would really think about who already is close in your business, close to buying something, close to adding value in your business, who you are neglecting. So rather than people often go way out to strangers, who else can I meet? Where can I be networking? What else can I be, you know, blasting out there? Who's already here? who you could bring closer into the fold and in what ways can you do that? Fantastic. I think that's a great idea. And this is a perfect time of year to do that. If this will end, this will, if this airs before Christmas, that is, I'm not sure, but uh, if it doesn't, 
even the new year is a great time to start. So um, it's always a good time to go back to the people that you have worked with, the warm market, so to speak. So Lex, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all your wisdom and uh, uh, ideas. And to my audience, thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard, please let us know. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thanks for joining us. If today's show inspired you to make a new connection, why not start with me? Head over to LinkedIn and connect with me. Be sure to let me know you are a podcast listener because I select one listener each month who connects with me on LinkedIn for a complimentary profile audit. And you know, I love to meet new people. So I hope you take me up on it. Don't forget to stay connected and be remembered.